You can check us out on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our social media on Instagram at Menovation and Facebook at Menovation Podcast. Episode 19 of Menovation coming in this morning. We got a, we got a doozy. Uh, so we finished episode 18 on a very heavy topic of suicide. So in this episode, we're doing an interview with someone who has done this journey, who has come out on the other side. Mm. Um, he's got a very powerful story. He is probably literally one of the best people I know. Um, he led me into battle last year uh, for a merge and just, just a very genuine person, huge heart, uh, voice of an angel. <laughs> and all that good stuff. So our guest today We're is Corey Ross. We might. We all might. Right, right. I'm down. Do Let's it. do it. <laughs> so today our, desk, our guest is Corey Ross. So so before Corey starts, uh, I just want to say, uh, you, you want to listen to this guy because he is a man's man. Like, <laughs> this dude is as rugged as it gets. Uh, he's, a, he's a hunter. <laughs> um, he has been not only through you know suicide and come out the other end uh but he's gone down the path of divorce come out the other end uh nearly lost everything that he owns and come out the other end i mean if you want to hear a story about a story about perseverance and and like fighting for good despite all of the shit that you've gone through in your life this is the story you want to listen to Oh man, no! This this guy, I, I admire this guy a lot. So yeah, you definitely got to listen to to his story. Awesome, thank you. So Corey, give us like a if you could sum up what you think is most important to being a man that struggles with this, because we we're all about being men in renovation. We're jumping right in today, boys. He's got a long story, so I want to make sure we get to all of it. Um, so give me some of your thoughts on. Just kind of an overarching 30,000 foot view during this journey of suicide and coming to the other end. What are some of the biggest lessons? Give me like one big lesson and we'll go over some more throughout the episode. I would say, I think the biggest lesson I learned um, going through, I mean, but just the whole, my whole life of, of having depression was um, I never wanted to let anybody down. And as a man, you kind of, you, you have to, you have to be that provider. You have to, you know, keep your family safe. You have to, you know, there's, there's just so many things as a, a man, you have responsibility over. Mm. And I felt like I was letting everybody down. Um, even after um, multiple times of trying to commit suicide, uh, I could never let that go. I was always letting everybody, whoever's in my life during that time period, I was letting them down. Mm -hmm. Um and one thing that I definitely learned uh, after this last time is it wasn't letting them down. I was letting myself down. Um, and, uh, and being able to heal from letting myself down and recovering myself, putting me as a priority, you know, my mindset as a priority first. I want to be able to provide for my family. And how could I do that? I was, I was here. I was feeling that already. Mm -hmm. um, 
and that that's tough. That's a hard thing to get over. It's that mentality that you you are the leader of your household. You are um, responsible for so much, and um, the possibility that I wouldn't be able to be there for my family. You know, the I think the biggest thing for me was achieving a goal of being that household figure that brings in the income and like a stable mentality. I don't want to come home and, and have like this wrecking attitude, you know, because life sucks or, sure. or depression's taken over. I, you, know, you know, you want to come home after a long, tough day at work or whatever it be and have your family smile back at you. Mm, that's that's good. So, so this is, this is Corey. And this is the reason that we wanted to have him on the show because of all the way it's been over the last couple of years, the discussion about depression and mental health. Um, we believe Corey has just such a balanced view of it now that he's come out on the other side. Um, so Corey, why don't you start to dive into your story a little bit and just take us through the journey of, you know, the, the your bouts with depression. Um, cause I think we can all relate to that at different times in our life. Uh, and your boss was suicide and just can be maybe what fueled that and all that good stuff. Um, I would say, uh, is, is childhood, childhood brought it on. Um, so I remember starting out like the earliest memories, everybody's earliest memories. You know, I can remember, um, specifically one time when I was four years old, we went to, um, Hogle Zoo, like the zoo mm -hmm. here in Salt Lake City. And, and that was my earliest memory. So my memory as far as like going all the way back is, is pretty well. So I can specifically remember a time where something changed mentally. Um, and that happened. Um, so kind of a little backstory. My family would always do something on the weekends, camping, hunting, fishing, uh, shooting guns. Um, that all abruptly stopped when I turned eight years old. Um, my family started going to uh, the LDS church and, uh, and then my, you know, uh, an opinion, you know, my, my parents said, you know, you got to get baptized. You're years old. We got to rush you in. Let's get it done. You know, that's, that's what the LDS, you know, church does. And it all started right there. Oh. Um, depression was something from eight years old immediately started affecting, um, you know, it's kind of going back to that original thought that, you know, I was being raised to be a man. Um, but, um, it, it was, it was hard to be a man fighting what I was fighting. It, so, you know, when you're eight years old, your, your dad tells you, Hey, you can't do this when you're older because, you know, you got to grow up sometime. You, you, you know, you, my dad was very stern. He was mm. very cut dry, say, you know, you're doing this wrong and, and now you got to repent for it. Like it was very, very stern. Um, so eight years old, trying to fall into a mold that my parents wanted me to be in. Um, so like socially just completely shut myself off. I was that kid in the corner of the room where, you know, would just hunker down and try to hide, um, because I didn't feel like I was adequate or I fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was very, uh, standoffish from early on eight years old, immediately started feeling it. Um, and it just progressively got worse and worse and worse to the point, you know, when I was, um, 10, 11 years old, um, 
you know, I'm starting to feel some changes in my body and, mm-hmm. you know, you start uh, becoming a man. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I kind of got in a little earlier than, than most of my friends did. You know, I was, you know, 10, 11 years old and I'm already um, thriving, looking at women and, and just all the, all the good stuff. dreaming about all the adventure I could have. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was also a part of kind of my breakdown, really. Um, because the more your body does, the more your mind does, uh, kind of leads you down a path of destruction in itself. If there's not somebody there to help support you. Um, my dad was constantly in and out of the country traveling for his job. And my mom, um, you know, she, she was a good mom, but she was an absent mom. Um, she fights the same thing. Um, I could definitely say it's a generational thing. Um, uh, she's been fighting depression and anxiety uh, as long as I could ever remember. It was always just kind of hidden, but you always saw the signs. Um, 13 was the first time I tried to commit suicide and I pulled it off like it was just an accident. Um, at 13 years old, I remember just having a wreck of a day. Um, a girl that I had been hanging out with and everything it was, man, how is it that oh, it's always women? <laughs> oh right? gosh, it's not dude. always women, but oh my that's the big thing for me. <laughs> um, yeah, 13 years old, uh, terrible day. I had a girl break up with me. I got in a big fight at 13 years old and jumped in front of the car, got hit by a car. Damn. Wow. Um, so, I, okay. So pause there. Yeah. So being 13 and coming to the point where. You just kind of snap and you say, you know what? I'm just going to jump in front of this car. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm done. Like, yeah. I don't I don't have anything on the other end. What do you think in your 13-year-old mind brought you to that point? What was kind of that first, that first thing? I think um, something b- big for me was I never feared death. Wow. Um, and that was kind of the destruction that you can see from 8 years old to 13. And how far my mind had actually gone, how much it had actually like rotted, how negative I was looking at life where Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was going to anything. You know, I was part of the LDS church, but I didn't have faith that there was a God that would be here for me. So that was nothing that I could ever apply in my life to to stop anything from happening. I was just pure destruction. Um, You know, at 13, I was also started, you know, drugs. Um sex, alcohol, everything was introduced when I was 13 years old. Um, so having that lifestyle and, you know, no fear of death and, you know, that was my threat to everybody is, oh, you know, treat me this way and I'll just kill myself. You won't see me, you know, like you're worse off without me and I'm better off gone was my mentality. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So walk us through, um, because I, I think that those, the emotions that you uh, have right after you commit suicide are interesting. I've read a few things about this, but um, so tell me about like getting hit by the car. Yeah. Tell, continue your story. Sorry. Yeah. So <laughs> getting hit by the car, um, my initial thought was like, man, I'm, done, I'm just tired. I'm done. I'm emotional. I was a wreck, you know, bawling to my friend. He's like standing right next to me. Um, this car comes screaming up our street and our street was pretty notorious to have like speeders on it. Yeah. Um, you know, 25 miles an hour residential people doing like 40, 45. <laughs> um, 
And uh, I remember jumping in front of the car and my intention was that my my head needed to hit the tire or the, the bumper. That's sure. my immediate thought. Like sure. if I'm going to do it right, I need to dive. Mm. And that's like my first thought. Yeah. That was my action that I needed to go through with. Um, so my head, up, my head actually ended up just bouncing off the hood. Wow. And I just basically slipped the hood and up the, the windshield and up and over the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like actually really smooth. I was surprised I got <laughs> up and I'm like, I feel pretty good right now. This isn't. Sh- I should change my career. Yeah. <laughs> I, should, I, should, I, should I should be a stuntman. Stunt <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's when you found your calling right yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. And so I'm like, oh man, epic fail. But then I was like, I got up. I'm like, well, that was fun. You know, the, the car driver is like screaming and what happened. I'm like, you know, just the disrespect of a 13 year old going in my circumstance, you know, yeah. I, I light up a, a blunt and I continue walking. Don't even say anything to the oh person that just hit me with their car. <laughs> Freaking out. Um, and that, that was the first time, you know, um, after that, um, I would say, I think I was 16 the next time. And that was probably the, the worst one, um, up until just a couple of years ago. Um, I've been party hopping. I always snuck out at night from my parents' house. Um, and I'd sneak out, go, you know, slide the basement window open, head out and I'd, it'd be a night full of adventure. Who knows what's going to happen. I'd walk for a mile. I didn't have a car. I'd walk for miles and just see what kind of trouble I can get into. Wow. That's And, uh, uh, I was a pretty crazy kid and it always seemed to be me finding a party. And so that, that night I had found a party to go to and it was like one or two o'clock, you know, in the morning and I show up to this party and everybody's wasted and I'm the only sober one so far. Um, but quickly my 16 year old body absorbed as much alcohol as I could and started macking on one of the women there. Well, come to find out this lady is like the you know, it's a couple, it's a family and her mm-hmm. husband's been out in the garage smoking and, and now I'm hitting on her and, and sh- she's letting it happen. Sure. So why not? You know, why not? Things takes, it takes the course and we're both going at it in front of everybody and husband walks in from the garage. Oh my gosh. Well, he wants to make an example out of me. So, um, oh uh, dude, this story's, this crazy. was, oh my God, this was a night um, that changed everything. He, uh, he, he had a baseball bat right next to the door. He always kept it there, you know, home defense type of thing. Um, first thing he did was just start clubbing me with a baseball bat to get me off of his wife. Mm. Um, and I remember blacking out a bunch of times throughout this. So, um, I remember specifically he was hitting me mostly in my arms and my ribs um, with the baseball bat. And then I remember blacking out, waking up on my back on the floor and then watching the baseball bat come down on my head and he smacked me square on my forehead and I blacked out again. Then I wake up and I'm completely stripped naked. And he says, uh, you're going to remember this the rest of your life. And he continues hitting me and like, and you know, this is a, like a house party, right? Yeah. You've got 30 plus more people surrounding you and 
And no one says, hey, and you're taking it too it. far. Yeah. Like, okay, nobody's, you lesson. Nobody's under the realization that I'm a 16-year-old kid. Oh, my gosh. Probably almost 17. And Well, you're pretty big, so maybe they didn't quite know. I was a, I was a shrimp then. <laughs> oh, I'm a you? big guy now. I was pretty skinny then. I've always been 6'3", but yeah, yeah, I was like 100 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> but um, yeah, just getting the life being out of me. And now I'm in the middle, you know, a circle of 30 plus people. Jeez. butt naked and the guy says you'll never do this again so he throws the bat and he's got this chandelier hanging from the from the ceiling but you're still inside at this point i'm still inside mm-hmm. the house he takes a chandelier down and what leaves like a big hook and i'm like what's going on yeah he yeah. goes and gets rope and he strings it from the the hook down to my privates and tries stringing me up on my privates you're kidding. Meanwhile, surgically, set, sexually assaulting me with the, the smaller end of a baseball bat. Holy shit, Corey. And I Good Lord, dude. It's... I haven't been able to let that go up until just a few years ago. Um, I bear the scar still. Um, wow. It did tons of damage. Um, when they were done with me, um, they basically hand my clothes and pushed me out the door. Um. So he, so he hangs you from your genitals, mm-hmm. sexually assaults you with the bat. Yeah. And nobody there, not one person is not like, a single person. hey, this is really weird. Like, you kick the shit out of him, let him go. Like, Well, people were probably thinking that, or they were just all laughing. What, which was the, what was, did it you was, kind of see? It was just a lot of noise. I mean, you're in that moment and you're not thinking other than just the pain that you're going through. Jeez. And then you got to remember too, I had been smoking weed. I probably had done mushrooms, probably ecstasy, probably so you're, cocaine. You're, I mean, yeah, you're all messed up anyways. I, yeah. And they just had the- Drunk. And then you're so, half an out of consciousness from getting hit with a bat. Yeah. And then the pain following. Um, so yeah, they put, they pushed me out the door of uh, this house. Um, I still remember the house to this day. Wow. Um, this house was about four miles away from my parents' house. Jeez. And- uh, I remember there's a really big field between about halfway between the two homes. Um, I made it to that field and then I just couldn't walk anymore. Yeah. I was so out of it and Mm -hmm. I was bleeding everywhere. Yeah. Um, I was in a lot of pain and I just, I like, okay, this is another one of those times where I'm just done. Right. So I lay down. I remember laying down in a ditch and I had my cell phone in my pocket and I got a phone call and it was actually my buddy's mom. Like, hey, your parents are looking for you. I'm so glad I got a hold of you. Where are you at? I want to pick you up. I'm like, I'm in a lot of trouble and I don't want my parents to know. You need wow. to just pick me up and take me to the hospital. Wow. wow. And I had been there for, I was probably there for, I don't, I can't really remember, but it's somewhere between six and 10 hours out in this field, just laying there bleeding out. Because she couldn't find you? Um, that's just kind of the timeline of between the phone call, just me laying, oh, initially laying down. Found you. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Is this in the middle of winter as well? Um, this was probably early fall. This okay. was probably somewhere in October. So it was pretty so it was cold, cold out. out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so she picks me up, takes me to the hospital um, because it was a sexual assault case. Um, they kept it pretty quiet. You know, I didn't want anybody knowing about it. Um, I did eventually end up through a fight and arguing with my parents telling them, um, they brushed it off just as 
you know, I was just trying to get attention. Mm-hmm. And it was a story I made up. So that was kind of the parental. Okay, we can't go too far past uh, yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so it almost wasn't even, and correct me if I'm wrong, it almost wasn't like a, an intentional suicide. It was just like, you just, you're done at that point. Uh, kinda... The intentional suicide happened after that. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, go to that point. Okay. Um, I'm just, I'm just trying to absorb everything sure. you just said. Uh, so, and maybe you're going to get to this. Did anything happen to homeboy? Uh, no. Um, please. So I was in that mode where I was afraid of what would happen to me if sure. I turned sure. them in. Yeah. Um, I eventually through kind of like a brain shutdown or whatever it would be, tried to forget what happened, try to forget the yeah, place, try yeah, to forget their yeah. faces. And it worked for some time until, you know, just a few years ago when just the I was actually that. trying to break that trauma off mm. of my life is when I started remembering everything. Oh, okay. Keep going. Sorry. Um, weeks after that, um, probably a couple of weeks, it was, um, um, I was 16 at that time. So I'm coming up, um, this is probably November and, uh, big argue with my parents. Um, I came home from school and I was completely drunk and high and been messing around all day. You know, school's calling them. They're, they're, you know, wondering where I am at. Um, so I get home, immediately get into an argument with my dad. Um, and I was just done. My whole family's there. My, uh, um, this is like right after dinner and I decided, you know what, I'll just be done. And I walked downstairs to my dad's basement safe and I pull a pistol. He always had a loaded pistol in the safe and all of us kids, all of us, um, knew the combo to the safe. Oh, jeez. And because we are so big into guns mm. at any time, my dad would say, Hey, go grab the guns. Let's go shooting. So we all had the combo to the safe. Um, big mistake, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I go downstairs, grab a loaded weapon, um, take it up to the living room. And I had the mentality that I wanted my whole family to see it happen Holy because oh, I wanted wow. all wow. of them to hurt Wow, just as bad as I hurt. Wow. Um, so I'm in the living room and all my brothers, my sisters come in, my mom and dad. And I said, okay, now's the time. And you know, they're, my brothers and sisters are screaming, uh, my mom and dad are are trying to talk me down. I just put it up to my temple and pull the trigger. The safety was on. My dad hurries and swats swats it out of my hand. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, that's done. So I just went on a walk, and like you know, my family are still in the living room freaking out that I just did that. You mm. know, if that safety hadn't been on, would have been dead. So go on a walk, I get back and, uh, um, they just sit me down and said, what are we got to do to fix this? We want to fix it. Mm-hmm. So that that's when they got me into like a therapy, got into quite a bit of therapy at that point. Uh, for you, did that make a big difference? Do you think? Therapy? Yeah. Was it an initial, like really good? Um, I had been in anger management, like an anger counseling through um, my junior high in high school, basically since I was like 14. Okay. Um, that had helped me in certain ways. Some things um, worked. Um, I think it was not as much what was said in therapy. It was knowing that I wasn't alone 
through that Anchorage management. You know, there's a lot of kids in that. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be able to talk to them and relate their scenarios to my own helped me chill my my anger out quite a bit. Did it work? No, I wish I would have kept at it because I would leave it a lot. You know, I would, you know, skip a month here and there. I wish I would have been a little bit more intentional about being there every day like I should have been. But it definitely did. It helped. Yeah. With the anger. I have yet to see Corey angry. Like, I've never seen him angry. You didn't see him in a merch. No. (laughs) (laughs) I had my moment. I thought he was going to kill somebody. I was like, I had my moment. I was like, I'm not standing in front of him. I can't. A little Um, bit of the old guy came out. (laughs) So were you like, uh, throughout this whole time, like constantly suicidal and then something, like an event would happen and then it would just really trigger it to where you're like going to go through with it? Yeah, I would... um, that's a good question. I, I would definitely say from the time I remember being eight years old, um, being forced to do things I didn't want to do, be forced to be the person I didn't want to be up until that certain point, depression was my lifestyle. I was always depressed, always sheltering myself, always um, being the watcher, not the doer, um, always being led, never yeah, leading for myself. So you said you, your family came to LDS when you were about eight. Mm-hmm. What do you think fueled it before that? Do you think it was just like an absent parents? You know, kind of the, I wouldn't want to say normal, but usually dad goes to work for long hours, mom's at home. And then from that point, you didn't have a great foundation and then led into, do you think it was like a perfection mentality in the LDS faith that kind of fueled that more where you said you needed to be somebody you weren't, yeah. they wanted you to be perfect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and that kind of goes back to kind of my intro is like I was always feeling like I was letting people down. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the mentality of the LDS face. They have a manual that you're supposed to go by, um, you know, a set of rules that you have to follow. And it was really hard for me to follow these rules and still be the person I wanted to be yeah. or the person I was naturally being. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, being forced to to get baptized in a church that I didn't want any part of yeah. was huge. Um, and then, you know, wearing a suit and tie to every Sunday instead of going to shooting guns. You know, I, was, I remember that was like a huge thing for me. Wow. I didn't want to get dressed up to go mm. worship a God that I didn't really care to have a relationship with. I'm right. like, I always thought, oh, you're too young. Like, you can figure all that out when you're older. Like, you don't right. need to have any of that. Like, do everything you want now as a kid because you can get away with it. Like you're not 18, you can get away with it. You're not going to get locked up. So that kind of gave me the okay Mm. mindset to do everything and try everything out. But it was like the rules. I was never a guy for rules. I I hated rules. Preach brother. Uh, Yes. Um, So I kind of have a, I don't want to spend too much time on this just because uh, I don't want to run out of time. Having, having been, let's call it mutilated mm-hmm. during this time, I think it's a good description. Um, did, you know, being, you know, 16, 17, 18, wanting to have sex, did you, did that leave lasting effects on you where, I mean, there was complications there. I mean, I'm, who knows, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I figured some of that out actually after time, after being married to my, my wife for quite a while. Um, when I went in for a vasectomy, they said I had a ton of scar, scar, you know, yeah. tissue damage. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, like one of my testicles is basically just mutilated. Like it's in working function, but it's got so much scar tissue around it. 
um, that it really, it causes some issues. And actually, um, me and my wife had actually tried for seven years to have kids. Um, and it was kind of really a miracle out of nowhere. She got pregnant. Um, but the, the reason why we were having hard times was, um, it was me, you know, we'd go to these doctors and, and so, yeah, definitely, uh, um, in that aspect and having children, uh, directly affected me, you know, on a daily sex, um, sex was always a huge part of my life and definitely an addiction. Um, uh, there's a lot of sensitivity issues that I still currently have that are hard to battle through. Well, what's interesting, and the reason why I bring that up is because I know my own journey through sexual things, whatever, even now married, right? You start to unpack some of these yeah. things from your past, right? Mm. With hopefully your spouse is a safe place. Um, and that greatly affects you as a man, mm. right? That's such a massive yeah. part of our culture is um, how you perform, how big you are, how long you last, right? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting when you're already struggling with this, now down the road, I would, I would imagine that would fuel some of that depression because I know that fuels even now like when maybe I don't perform like I want to or whatever, it fuels something in me. And my wife will say something and I think she's lying. I don't think she's telling the truth, right? So um, that's, that's why I wanted to bring that up because I feel like that, I know for me, has been a, a journey. I can just imagine adding that on top of all the other crap that just happened to you. So continue your story. Yeah. Um, no, that's good though um, because that's definitely had lasting effects. Mm. Um, I would say... I'm not um, depressed now, and I haven't been for a couple of years uh, since I allowed God in my life. Um, but because I do have those lasting effects, and you would you would say, you know, naturally you would have depression. Mm. Um, like right now, you know, uh, two days ago, I set up an appointment with my my doctor to reanalyze um, the medications that I need to be on to counter effect what has happened, like the sensitivity issues that I have, um, because that all plays in a part of having a good sexual relationship with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean sensitivity? Um, so it's either I could go days without ejaculating or it's two seconds. Um, so they have to try to, so it swings. Yeah. Wow. Um, or, um, because there's a lot of nerve damage yeah. down there. Mm. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like it'll be in the middle of the day and I'll get a sharp pain in my groin. Um, it's wow. just those nerves kind of mm. messing around down there. And it's all from the effect of, wow. of having all that. Wow. So when you said you're on med- medication, is it for like that specifically or is it for um, just your mental state? Uh, no, it's, it's for that specifically. Um, I do take uh, an upper... Um, it's gab- like a gabapentin. It's more of an uh, an upper. It, it kind of treats everybody different. Um, it's generally used for um, people with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And it's a nerve um, thing, which has also probably helped me with uh, my sexual situation too, because it does help um, the nervous system. Um, and that's kind of the only thing that I, I've actually been off of for eight months. And and that's one of the corrections we're going to make. So we're going to get me wow. back on a low dose of it to try to help some of that nerve damage. Yeah. But, Did you know this story? I knew the part of that story. Yeah. Mm. I, I recently just found out when we went camping together, I was like, holy shit, dude, that's a 
lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We may need more than two episodes. <laughs> yeah, so keep going with your story. Um, so, um, you know, my parents saw that suicide attempt as an opportunity to try to help. Um, until then, they had been completely, I mean, it was just all anger that they yeah. had for the decisions I was making through my life. Sure. Um, um, so I started therapy um, that immediately went terrible. The therapist there was all through my dad's work. And, um, you know, you, you don't want this like 68 year old guy coming up to you and telling you what you're doing wrong in life. And that's yeah. what I felt therapy was like. Wow. Um, they even, really could even never in anger management. What you were doing uh, I was still school? doing anger management. This was okay. Yeah. Outside of that. Still doing anger management. Um, and so a year goes by, I had completely dropped the therapy off. I was still doing anger management. Uh, I've been doing anger management for three years or so by, at this point. Um, the next summer comes around, I'm turning 17. Um, still continuously, you know, leaving the house, even though, you know, I should have learned from my decisions. Yeah. Right? I don't know if I'd ever leave the house again after that. Yeah. I'm still like leaving the house, uh, living that free life, doing, you know, drugs, sex, alcohol, all the above. And you never ran into this person again? Never ran into him again. Wow. Then, yeah. I would, you know, you'd think you so right. you see a childhood friend, you know, at the Walmart, you'd think you'd see this person. Yeah. Right? Especially if you're living about four and miles. And he lives like four them. miles away yeah. from your parents. Yeah. And it was actually... All the all the kids, all the the youth that I'd hang out at with at that time, lived around that house, so I never saw him in a car. Never. I think that's by the grace of God. Yeah, because yeah. I have a feeling he may have snapped and killed the guy. It's possible. Yeah. Who's, yeah, it who's the hitman that you hired? Where, where's the <laughs> yeah. That's a different story. That's yeah. that's uh, yeah. Assassinations. Episode twenty-one. When the topic becomes assassinations, we'll okay. talk about we'll, that. We'll do an episode on that. <laughs> um. So yeah, year later, I'm turning seventeen. Um. Being that free spirit teenager, like I'm out, I'm done, I'm leaving yeah, yeah. the house, um, and moved out and went under. Um, I got got an apartment with a friend, and the state of Utah was uh, helping me a little bit with income, and I had to have a PO uh, with me, so you know I had to do reports and and they had to check in on me and stuff like that. But um, that was actually a really good thing. Uh, me moving out when I did, um, the relationship I had with my parents was very destructive. So the longer I, I was going to be there, I knew sure, the worse sure. I was going to get. Yeah, yeah. But within only probably two or three months of moving out, I already had that depression coming back in because then real life comes. Now I've got car insurance. Now I have a you know car payment. Now mm. I'm still going to high school and trying to prove my parents yeah. wrong that I can graduate. Were you living at this point? Uh, West Valley. Okay. So just like about, a friend's house or? Uh, in an apartment. Okay. So the state of Utah helped me get an apartment. Oh, wow. Yeah, with a friend. And he was also in the same scenario. He had actually been adopted. The adoption wasn't working out right. And he was 17 at the time. Did you, did you officially emancipate or were you close enough to 18 where they're just like, just do your thing? Yeah, I was, I was just do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, um, I had been working a full-time job and I was pretty self, you know, I can take care of myself. But still going through, you know, like finding out that I have all these bills, you know, paying for an apartment, yeah, still yeah. going to school, trying to prove my parents wrong, can graduate. Um, I ended up graduating uh, high school when I was 17, that Chris, like the Christmas of. Yeah. Um, just because of all my, like my work, um, stuff that I could add to my schooling to basically get out quicker. 
but um, found myself like getting really heavy over time within a couple of months of being on my own and all that gathering up. I'd part, you know, going out partying, partying as much as I did. I remember one Wednesday, guys say, Hey, like it's ladies' night, let's go, let's go party. Like those, all these clubs, they get out really late, but let's go bomb them and see if people want to get together and do a party. Like, all right, let's do it. So we go up. Um, we're actually get a bunch of people gathered up, go up to a co ed party at the Utah State or at the U of U, and, uh, just completely get trashed and and once again macking on a girl and you'd think you'd learn and I didn't got the tar beat out of me just completely like just demolished and with all the events gathering up I was already in a bad mindset and I jumped in front of another car while I was completely drunk and intoxicated and wow um that one did some damage Dislocated both my arms, um, broke one of my ankles, uh, had some rib damage, had broke a couple of ribs. Once again, I felt like, man, it didn't work. Like that was kind of like the mindset, man, I just, I want to be done. Like this, this life is exhausting. It's not worth living. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've had yeah. fun. It almost feels like it. city of angels, man. It's like, I know. it's just like something watching over you. <laughs> yeah. So crazy. Yeah. I can't believe like out of however many times. Like, it just never worked out. Like, I'm terrible at this. You'd think I'd give up, right? <laughs> you know, like, at the third time, third like, time's calm, charm, damn it. on. Yeah. You're the worst suicider in I history. I am. <laughs> on record, on record. I am the worst. Life went on. Um, started bettering myself. I had gotten into some trouble in high school. I had um, pretty much beat a kid almost to death uh, in high school. Actually, still to this day, he's handicapped because of the decisions I made. Wow. Wow. And was uh, that just like a random fight or? Yeah. It was over a girl. And uh, he had, it was an ex girlfriend of his. And I was, I started dating her and we got into a fight out in the, in the parking lot of the high school I was going to. I wasn't even going to school at the time. I was picking her up. And uh, I laid him on top of a police car and, and just beat, the crap beat out him. Of yeah. Wow. Ended up having to fix the police car because I had damaged the hood and cracked the windshield. A lot of the blood that was coming from I, what I thought was him was actually coming from my hands because I was punching the glass of the windshield too. Wow. It was it was pretty bad. But yeah, to this day, he's he's still handicapped because of, of that fight. Wow. Um, after that, uh, being in state care, they sent me down to a, a boys group ranch um, down in... Um, I can South Southern Utah, it's like a, like a cowboy ranch yeah. for, you know, troubled youth. Um, I did that for three months. They, they brought me back and the judge basically said, Hey, we got to figure something out with you. You're not working out of the boys ranch. You're, you know, you're a hazard to our society. You've got to, you know, you have no remorse over the things you've done, which I had no, you know, I would laugh about it. Yeah. You know, you were numb at that point. Yeah. They're like, well, then you need to go to the armed forces. We want you to sign up for army, navy, marines. Pick wow. one. I'm like, all right, the marines. I'll train with the marines. Um, and that's really where like my life changed dramatically. How old uh, you about this time? 18, 19? Uh, it was eighteen about okay. this time. Yeah. So I joined the Marines when I was eighteen. Um, trained with them. 
uh, Camp Williams, the best program I've ever been in. Um, they just take troubled youth and turn them into true warriors. I mean, they so much balance and so much authority that they give you. You know, when you it's they give you structure, very structure. Mm. That's exactly what I needed. I needed a path that I felt like I was succeeding, that I was putting into something. Um, because remember, the whole mentality I had up until this point was I was failing everybody. It was just the decisions that I was making that wow. was letting me fail. But the mentality that I could never do good stopped at that point when I was uh, training with them. Wow. So. Um, Purpose. But unfortunately, I really wanted to join and a lot, a couple of my friends did. Um, but I had back issues, issues from that, you know, jumping in front of a car that led me to the point where they wouldn't let me join the Marines because I had too many so this was like issues. a pre-qualification, whatever you want to call it, training yep. before actually joining the Marines. Yep. Um, it's amazing how you said that structure changed everything. And it's very interesting. I look now where parenting is very like loosey-goosey. Mm -hmm. It's this, that, or whatever. And there's no structure. Yeah. And how many kids fail. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they don't have structure. And I'm just looking at like with my girls, I'm fairly strict. Like they're little kids, but like, and I'm not like crazy, but there are things that I will allow and things I will not. Mm -hmm. And I told my wife and I was like, if you've noticed the other kids, they're wild. And some of them are crazy. Yeah. There's, I mean, not saying our kids are still kids. Like they still scream and my kid still sounds like a pterodactyl half the time. But, <laughs> um, but I'm like, as much as we can within reason, I don't want that. I want there to be balance. I want there to be structure. And I really do think the Bible hits on it when it talks about, you know, when you're not disciplining your kid, they have no structure. They don't know where they can succeed, where they can't, yep. where their boundaries are. And as young kids, as you're kind of an example of this, you just go nuts. Because I was like that. I didn't have any structure. I didn't have any boundaries. And I did a bunch of dumb shit. Yeah. Um, where Ben, you had more structure. Well, yes. Growing up in India. Yeah, you did. I was going to, as you were talking, I was thinking, have you read the book Raising Kids God's Way? Mm-mm. Okay, that's so Amy and I read that book uh, when we had kids. Yeah. And one of the principles is structure. Like even if it's simple things like this is bedtime, this is when you wake up, mm -hmm. this is when you play. Yeah. Like yeah. just basic structure changes everything about raising kids. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's an awesome book to read. Yeah. And because you had pretty good structure too, Tice, right? Yeah, yeah. Because my dad was, uh, he's Samoan mm -hmm. and... The, the structure was strict. Yeah. So if you got out of line at all, like the Simone culture, the way um, they get through to you, they literally beat your ass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not in an abusive way, but, <laughs> you know, they're, they're flirting with the line. Yeah. And so we knew from a young age, um, you know, when was the right time for certain things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. helped, man. I mean, it really did help. Yeah. So that structure piece is, it's amazing uh, how we've, I, Corey and I didn't have that. Ben and Abe had that. Um, or not Abe, sorry, Ben and Tyson. Um, and it seems to have uh, kind of produced some different results. Yeah. So I think what we'll do, Corey's, this is only the kind of the first half, I would say. I mean, he's <laughs> only about 18 at this point um, uh, of his story. So this has been episode 19. I know it's kind of abrupt, but I, I don't want to make this episode too long. Make sure you listen to episode 20 to hear the rest of Corey's story. So you will have to tune in next week to hear the rest of this amazing man's story. And as we unpack 
I think the second half of his story is even more powerful than his first half. Mm-hmm. Um, as Ben said, how he's coming on the other end and how he's winning and thriving. And it's not that he doesn't have scars. It's not that he doesn't have wounds, um, but he's allowed God to come in and heal him and start to transform him. And he still has it all together. I think Corey is one of the best examples yeah. of a man and renovation and in how you don't um, have to give up on life. And because if he would have given up on life, I'm going to get emotional. Um, we would not have the Corey Ross that we do today and how much you've impacted all of us. I seriously like, I don't know if you've noticed this, small tangent, <laughs> but whenever I see you, I can't help but smile. Yeah. So I've noticed. Yeah. It's like you bring, <laughs> you bring joy to my life and you're one of those people. And I'm sure we can all attest yeah, to this. Yeah. Your family. I mean, you have two amazing boys. Anyway, so uh, makes this been episode 19. Check us out. Instagram, all those good places. Go over there, subscribe. Um, I didn't tell you this, but I created us accounts everywhere. TikTok, Parlor, <laughs> Minds, Tinder. 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 <laughs> we got a Tinder profile. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Grindr. make sure you check us out on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> That's the after hours motivation. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's been episode 19. Check us out next episode, episode 20 next week. Do not miss it. Peace.